you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth on wednesdays at 4 p.m eastern time i go live on facebook to share my design tips to answer your questions to talk about what's going on in my world. Well, I not only share it on Facebook, now I'm going to be sharing it on my podcast. So today you will be hearing a recording of my most recent Facebook Live. Enjoy. Hi, you're sending me lots of amazing questions, which means you must be thinking about design, getting ready to design. I want to tackle those today. And let's see, do I want to start with any fun and exciting anecdotes? Well, I'm putting together the pictures for my new book, and I just had a headshot session yesterday, and I find those to be so paralyzing. My photographer already got back to me with the pictures, and in order just to open them up, I had to go buy myself a special treat. I was like, let's make this fun. Let's go buy a special hot cocoa so we can drink it and be more enthusiastic about opening headshot photos because, youch, it didn't really help, but I did manage to, to plow through them. Um, and then that afternoon I had a client who was moving and moving with a lot of things. But when you move with a lot of things, it's important if you're moving to a space that's quite different from your current space that you don't just keep them mentally in one box or in one room. In other words, she had a TV console that had always been the TV console, but it was much too long for her new living room, and yet she doesn't want to get rid of it. So we have to think of a way that we can use it differently. In fact, let's think of a way that we can use lots of things differently. Just because that other piece had always been above your couch doesn't mean that's the best fit in the new space. So it's not just a plug and play solution as you move from space to space. You wanna compromise with the architecture of your new home. In other words, her new place has beautifully high ceilings. We wanna maximize that with even taller art, with even bigger bookcases. So while we could use her cubby bookshelf from Ikea, maybe that's better in the basement. Maybe it's a better idea to go for one that's eight feet tall that will really emphasize those 10 feet high ceilings. So even if you're planning on reusing a lot of items, 
Is it showing your new space to its best advantage? Can we put them somewhere else that might be able to serve a different purpose and work even better than if we would have made a round hole fit into a square peg or made a large TV stand squish into a smaller living room? So there we are. All right, on that note, with that personal anecdote underway, let's dive right into your questions. And as you know, my favorite way to answer questions is live. So don't hesitate to type them in the comment bar. I'd love to see what you're working on. I'd love to hear what you're planning for this weekend. Let me know. I'll chime in. But in the meanwhile, I'm going to answer Sammy's question that came in this week. Sammy writes, Betsy, I love your podcast. It's my favorite of all the podcasts. I mean, that is really saying something, Sammy. I totally appreciate that. As a podcast lover, I have probably no fewer than 25 that constantly auto-populate on my phone with new episodes, and I get so excited every gosh darn day. So to say that I'm your favorite, well, I feel so honored. Um, You write, I can't wait to laugh out loud at your hilarious Betsy Smackdowns each week. I myself am now prepared to be given a Betsy Smackdown. I'm currently trying to fix my master bedroom. I want it to feel cozy and inviting. It's north facing and often feels a bit cold and boring. I feel like I have too many different shades of white and gray competing with one another, and frankly, it's just not working for me. I'm wanting to do something bold, like paint the walls a contrasting color. Reddish? Pink? I'm afraid that could be a huge mistake, though. Ah, help me, I beg you. Sammy, you knew it was coming. You knew I was going to give you a Betsy Smackdown. You are not going to be painting your accent wall red or pink. Let me tell you why. Red is a color of passion, which seems to align with a bedroom theme, but it is a very anxiety-producing color. It raises your blood pressure. It increases tension. It's the color of passion, but it's also the color of violence and extreme energy, which may not be what you're wanting to go for in your bedroom. So red is out. You mentioned pink. Pink is totally fine, but it tends to be... You know, I hate being so gender specific. There's got to be a new word for this. But it tends to be kind of a girly girl color, kind of a princess palace color. It can sometimes feel unapproachable to people um, who aren't into pink. I want to say of the masculine persuasion, but I also want to be more gender inclusive than that. So it just has a connotation of being very feminine. And I would like to see a bit more of a balance. You can go soft in in different ways that aren't even involving color. You could go soft with texture, like getting an amazing velvet quilt for the top of your bed. If you had silk sheets or even had a nubby throw at the foot of the bed. If you had lights that were on full range dimmers, so you could get that nice soft effect with your lighting. And if you don't have lamps that have full range dimmers, you can get those plug-in dimmer switches from Amazon.com or your local hardware store and it puts any lamp on a full range dimmer. Uh, What are some other ways you could add softness? Well, I think another way to make it feel more cozy and approachable would be through, well, definitely some wall hangings would be important. Some kind of artwork and then the thematic tones or whatever of that artwork. So You know, if you wanted to incorporate reds or pinks, maybe you do a sunset in some way. Maybe you bring that in in smaller touches like artwork and not in those big moments like paint. So, Sammy, I hope that helped. I hope it inspired you to think 
outside the accent wall because you know that's not my favorite thing anyway. It's more like an accident wall. It's like I meant to paint four walls this color, but I ran out of paint halfway through or a quarter of the way through as it, as it were. Um, it's Friday. Did I mention I am fried? It's fried Friday. It has been such a week. I have been working everywhere from Stanford, Connecticut to Sunset Park, Brooklyn to I can't even remember where I was at the beginning of the week. <laughs> it's been a doozy. But you know what? Every Friday, I say this. Every Friday, I'm like, this is going to be the time. All right. I got a live question here from Paige. Paige, it is so good to hear from you. Let's hear what's going on. You say, Betsy, I've read your book and reference it constantly. Oh, good. But can we talk brazes with lots of natural light? Well, of course. So the more natural light you get, the deeper you can go with your grazes. Now, if you're looking for a good mid-tone grage, you're going to want to look at gray owl. Gray owl is different in different lights. In other words, in the day when you get all that striking natural light, well, it will feel mostly tan with just this subtle hint of gray. But as it gets darker in your space, you will see that it becomes this moody gray that's almost like a delightful rain cloud rather than a stormy one. I love gray owl and I'm not the only one. It was actually the first paint color that I ever had a crush on because when I was an intern at Tom Felicia, it was one of his go-to picks. That's a good one. Another go-to grayish would be Baby Fawn or Edgecomb Gray. Now, don't be fooled. Even though they have different panels on the paint fan, they're actually the same tone. So if you love Baby Fawn, you're going to also love Edgecomb Gray. They're the exact same thing. Let me save you the cost of one sample. That is one that yields um, a little bit of a warmer color. It's a little bit more beige than it is gray, which works well if somebody has more of an eclectic, traditional, or transitional aesthetic. Because, of course, gray oftentimes reads a little bit more modern. My personal favorite grayish, the grayish that is featured throughout my home, is pale oak. And all these colors are, of course, from Benjamin Moore. But pale oak is um, reads gray in almost every light. But when you turn on lamps, it adds this warmth to the paint color that can make it feel a little bit beige, if you will. I, I would never call it a beige, but it's definitely a grayish in the fact that it's quite warm and nobody would ever think that it's a modern, unapproachable gray tone. What would I call it if I was just walking in? What does it remind me of? Hmm. I don't know. I'll think. I'll think next time I go in my house. But it's kind of like, like I just went next door to this new shop that opened on Main Street. And they have this kind of cocoa. That's the delightful drink I got for myself. It's called rose cocoa. And it's not really brown. It's kind of like this off brown that almost feels like clay or taupe. Something yummy. Anyway, I hope that helped, Paige. Um, hi, Tara Lynn. It's so good to see you. Let me know if you have any design questions. I'm feeling punchy. It's Friday. I'm ready, ready to help. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and the Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. 
You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Last week, a question came in from Lisa that I wasn't able to get to on the live because I had to hop off, but I can get to it right now. So Lisa wrote me, Betsy, what's the best way to frame kids' artwork to incorporate into a gallery wall? Say abstract paintings that you want to make look nice and possibly not standard sizes. Well, if you had a gallery wall already set up with the frames, Pottery Barn has these really good frames where you just lift the top and you can insert the artwork very easily. I think you're gonna have to go to PV Kids for that one, but they come in white, they come in black and wood tone, and you just lift it up and you can put the new picture in and then you close it so it can be a nice rotating gallery of their most current works without sort of taking over in terms of, you know what I see so much? I see so much people taping their kids' artwork on the walls. That's not good for the wall paint, it's not good for the artwork, and it is certainly not visually appealing. So let's find those frames where we can easily change out without taking the frame off the wall. I myself have those, um, I guess you'd call it a picture string or something. It's a thin wire. I got mine at Ikea, but they have much higher end options at Land of Nod and PBT. And it's just this metal wire with two brackets on the end. And it has these little clips and I'm constantly changing out my kid's artwork without having it on my fridge or gosh forbid, any walls. Uh, so let's see what's next. Let's get to more questions. Victoria had a question that came in for me this week. So, hi, Betsy. I've loved listening to your podcast lately, and I found it at the perfect time. My husband and I are moving and are in need of a couch. We have the chair pictured below, and I'm afraid to choose a couch or color that completely clashes. Help! What direction should I be avoiding versus getting excited about Victoria? All right, Victoria. So the picture of the chair that you sent me is tufted. It's definitely transitional. It's a cream color. It has these dark espresso legs that are turned, which means they have a carving, which makes them somewhat ornate. And I will tell you, you have a blank canvas here. The world is your oyster. There are so many sofas that you can choose. So shop with confidence knowing that there are lots of options out there for you. Let me tell you what you shouldn't choose because my favorite way to design is through process of elimination. Let's eliminate all the things we shouldn't choose so that way we can laser focus on what we should be shopping for versus going into Raymore and Flanagan and having a panic attack. So what you should not be choosing is probably anything gray. This chair that you sent me is very creamy, very warm, very ivory. In no way is it grayish, as Paige would say. So because of that, we want to stick with warmer textures for the main sofa. And you know I want a neutral sofa, so I don't want anything orange or yellow or red. I don't want anything blue or green or purple. We want to keep it in a neutral family. We also know that we don't want anything too dark because navy 
navy or black or espresso shows every piece of sock lint, every hair. Whereas anything too dark, like your chair color, uh, or I'm sorry, whereas anything too light, excuse me, like your chair color, the creams, the ivories, that really subtle color is not good for a couch because a couch gets a ton of wear and tear. And of course, you can see stains very easily with those light tones. So we want to go for a mid-tone neutral and we want to avoid the grays because your couch has this underlying warmth. I would like to keep you in the taupe grayish family or in the beige tan family because your chair is tufted, I would like, if possible, for your sofa to not have too many buttons. I don't want it to be overly tufted. I don't want it to look like you went to the tufted store and said, give me everything on the showroom floor. So avoid the tufting and go for something a little bit more transitional or traditional. Nothing too chunky unless maybe it has rolled arms like the Ektorp from Ikea or a Pottery Barn sofa that has some rolled arms. Then you could go for something chunky, but typically a transitional or traditional sofa would be more dainty. Maybe it would have wooden legs, but maybe they're not as ornately turned as the ones on your chair. Because the key with design whether you're going for a muted color palette, whether you're going for something bold and outrageous, is that you would have contrast. Like I just said, you don't want to shop at the tufted store. You don't want to shop at the turned leg store. So if we're using one element, one design element in one moment, we want to make sure to do something different in another moment. That way, because the goal of design, frankly, is that you went shopping at all these different places. Over your lifetime, you've gathered all these different pieces that are special to you that magically work together, but they did not come together. You did not buy them all at Raymore and Flanagan on one day. That is the goal. But how many of us are spending our lifetimes going around from country to country, store to store, curating the perfect collection? Let me tell you, I certainly am not. I bought all the furniture from my entire house on one day from one spreadsheet. So when I'm doing that and still making it designerly, I want to be thinking about contrast. I want to be thinking about mixing stores so that way it doesn't look like page four of the West Elm catalog. I want to be thinking about items that magically work together but did not come together. Oh, I have another live question. Here we go from Miranda. Miranda, I just found your podcast and have listened to all of them. Oh my gosh. That's that's very amazing, I must say, because there's 150 episodes. So you had some free time on your hands and uh, I'm glad that it paid off for you. You say, I love your rules and approach to interior design. We just moved into our house that is large, open concept with 10-foot ceilings, black granite fireplace, and floor-to-ceiling reddish-yellow wood built-ins. The whole house has a light yellow tan wall and a lot of trim with mid-tone red-yellow wood floors. Wow, that sounds like it's really warm, pervasively warm. I have ideas already. All the pictures I see with wood floors have white couches and very light area rugs. Not practical. I have two young messy kids and two dogs. Exactly. What color of area rug would be best for this space that isn't neutral? We have lots of plants. Does one of our colors of this 30 or 60, 30, 10 need to be green? Oh, and then you continued. We also need to buy furniture with this very large room as one couch and four chairs. Okay. All right. So let's get into this. Let's get into this. So as I mentioned, your whole house kind of exudes warmth from the wood tone to the wall color. 
it feels like that is a lot of warm tone. So I would be thinking in terms of your 603010 to use two of those as cool colors. Now the cool colors, according to Roy G. Biv, the rainbow spectrum, would be that green, blue, violet, or purple. Those are going to be the colors that you're going to want to do as maybe a 60 and a 30. And then a 10% of warm pops. So maybe that's a yellow accent that you layer on top of that. Now, plants do not count as a 60, 30, 10, even if you have a lot of them. Plants are just a neutral. They're a very good idea if you can keep them alive, but they will not dictate your color palette unless they have colorful flowers. So if you had a big plant in the corner that had pink hibiscus flowers, well, I would suggest that you use that hot pink elsewhere in your design because that would be a color. But green in terms of leaves is more of a background. So go nuts. We just want to think about incorporating blue tones and green tones and maybe even purple tones into this space. Now, when you're looking for a rug, especially with messy kids and dogs, you're going to want pattern. A solid is going to betray every stain, every mark, every, you know, yeah, I'm just imagining the stains that are happening on your carpet. Uh, I have two messy kids and one amazing dog. And uh, yes, we get stains. So I can relate and I have a highly patterned carpet. And I will tell you what, it looks as good as the day we bought it. You can't tell that last night I spilled ramen on it. Uh, so you want a pattern, but I don't really care what colors that pattern is, of course, as long as it relates back to your 60, 30, 10. My rug in my living room is so heavily patterned that is the inspiration piece for all the other colors in my space. I'm sure it has at least 10 colors in it and it hides a multitude of sins. Um, so get something highly patterned. Don't get a white sofa, even though you see it in all the pictures. Instead, go for that mid-tone neutral. And I would avoid too much warmth. So I'm going to keep you in the grayish or gray family for your neutrals rather than the beiges and tans, which might take it a little over the top. In terms of a sofa with four chairs, four chairs is pretty intense. I would typically do a sofa, two chairs, and maybe a chaise. Something different that's not more chairs. I could see doing two sofas if you don't have a TV in this room. I could see doing, um, like I said, two sofas and then a couple of chairs layered on. I could see doing a sectional with a couple of chairs. But in a really big space, four chairs is just a lot of chairs. I don't want it to look like a chair showroom. All right. So any other live questions before I hop back to my last question for the week? All right, good to see you, Kyle and Eddie and Simon, and of course, Paige and Tara Lynn. All right, let's let's hop back. Okay, my last question came from Australia this week. So exotic. So exotic. Betsy, I love your podcast. I've just had some renos done. We are up to the painting part, and we are really struggling to choose a color. I love color. Dark teals, blues, mustards, and reds. Is it okay to have a different color in each room? Wow. Wow. Well, I'm excited for you, for your enthusiasm. I am not excited about this palette. It is going to be way too vibrant. There's going to be way too much going on and you are falling into my trap all the way down in Australia. You are falling into the um, 
dreaded Skittles effect. That's the rainbow of fruit flavors. When I walk into your home, I see more than three colors. No, that's a definite don't. So it's definite don't to have more than two true Roy G. Viv colors, colors that are found on the rainbow, and a neutral. That's the most that I want to see when I walk into your home. In other words, if your main living room is a neutral, say it's a lovely pale oak, And then your dining room is a yellow like mine. Say it's Hawthorne Yellow from Benjamin Moore. And then it's an offshoot of your library. I'm just imagining because I don't actually have that. Um, That happens to be a porcelain blue. Well, that is the end of the colors for that floor. Because when I walk into your space, I am now seeing two Roy G. Biv colors and a neutral and we're maxed out. If you're wanting to use another another effect, then what you can do is you can do a lighter or darker shade of one of the colors you've already used. So if I'm wanting to paint the bathroom and I want it to be a strong color, something that feels different, well, I'll do a lighter or darker shade of either that neutral in the living room, the yellow in the dining room, or the blue in the den. That is where you can have some fun and where you don't feel quite as limited. Now upstairs, if you have a long neutral hallway and all these offshoots that are the bedrooms and none of the rooms open up into each other, I'm more flexible with this. In other words, if your daughter wants a pink room, your son wants a teal room, you want a gray room, and your husband wants a TV room that's emerald, I'm open to that because I can't see them all when I enter. In other words, these spaces each are enclosed. They stop. They have a door that could be shut, and then I wouldn't be so overwhelmed. I still would tend not to do that, quite frankly, but um, I'm more open to it if it's not an open concept layout. So I hope that helped all the way down in Australia. And guys, I love getting your questions. So keep them coming. You can email Betsy at Affordable Interior Design. If you want to hear even more of my luscious design tips, well, you could do what Miranda has done. And you can go listen to all 150 episodes at BigDesignSmallBudget.com. You can get my book. You can take my classes. You can call Affordable Interior Design. We would love to help you. And in the meanwhile, I'm going to go get back to work because Friday has got me still here even longer than I'd hoped. And uh, I'll be working this evening as well. Design round the clock. That's what we do over here at Affordable Interior Design. And I will catch you next week. Bye. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, You're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about.
A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.